Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Inforium, a show about productivity and business sometimes, but not about making waves go on screens. That's actually not even true, Martin. We did an episode about podcasting once. That's true. It was about making waves on the screen, like so microwaves guess... and hot dogs, <laughs> etc. That's an inside joke from it a is. long time ago. Oh, my it gosh. Bobetta, Washington. Uh, what's up? I'm just uh, chilling with some fancy mic equipment now. I mean, Ooh, the audio yes, isn't going to be true. a lot different, but my desk feels a lot fancier. I got like four things clamped to it. Yeah. The more things you clamp to your desk, the more of a professional you are. That's I true. Think. Just like the more organs, the more human. That makes a lot of sense. I wouldn't I question that, that for a Zim. second. Yep. Yeah. More things you clamp to your desk, the more professional you are. And I currently have one, two, three, four four, five, six things clamped to my desk. Uh, see, I'm only two thirds as professional then. Yep. And then I have a lot of things either zip tied or uh, industrial velcroed underneath my desk. So I think that makes me ultra professional, possibly a, the most professional man ever to exist. I have a wire cable management thing down there, but that's, that's all I got. That's fair. I used to have that. And then it didn't, it didn't serve my needs because I have too many wires. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So just to give the audience a bit of a heads up, this episode, we are intending for it to be a little bit shorter. The reason for that is I am moving tomorrow uh, and maybe possibly part of today. Yay. Well, yes. Today is uh, the day that I officially take possession of my new house, which I own. So achievement unlocked homeowner i guess which just makes me a boring adult that now gets mail from security services and lawn mowing services and all kinds of stuff like that but as always i'm not your dad uh but yeah that's fun yeah that's a pretty cool accomplishment yeah so why don't why don't we uh roll on into project update because i want to know what you've been doing the last two weeks since we didn't batch record so we actually have updates this is true well one thing I've been working on, I'm not done yet. I've been working on a language learning resource for my personal site. I was initially going to just do a quick resource page list sort of thing. I've mm-hmm. since come up with a little bit more ambitious of an idea and th- thus have not finished that yet as okay. is only natural. So <laughs> that's happening. And also I finished reading a book. That's That's what I've done. Which book? It was a book uh, called the, I think it's called The Man Who Couldn't Stop. It's about a dude with OCD. It was pretty, pretty interesting. And yeah, mostly I just been thinking about the language thing. So I guess if I haven't finished it by the time this episode comes out, and I do not necessarily expect that I will have done so, please feel free to send me any cool questions that you might want to see answered on a fancy language learning resource or kind of, what do you need for languages? I don't know. Hopefully I'll figure it out. We haven't done a language learning episode in a long time. It so has been if a bit. that is an interest of yours that has been renewed, um, I'm, I'm more than willing to do one. I'm not currently learning a foreign language, but I can be the conduit through which questions are brought to you. Yeah, I just pictured like lightning striking you and then you, your eyes go white and you start speaking in a deep voice. Yeah, exactly. I like, like to think of learning. myself as like a firebender who, under, who, do, who knows how to lightning bend. Okay. 
So I will bend the lightning from the cosmos that is Twitter and or the comment section of this okay. podcast, and then I will redirect it through my body, avoiding the heart so I don't die Obviously. to you. And like, you will be hit by a bolt of insightful questions from our listeners. That's all I've cult members. ever wanted. Yeah. Well, we could definitely do that. Hit by knowledge lightning. Are there any details that you are able to share with us about said learn, uh, language learning resource? Well, or is this like under right now, part of the format is a little, little nebulous at the moment to me. I've, I've had a few different ideas that I'm mm-hmm. working out. And I'm at the point where I kind of just need to sit down for like a full straight day mm-hmm. and decide which format I want. But it started out as a list of some of my favorite resources and how to use them because people keep asking me the same language questions, like mm-hmm. like probably 10 in the last two months. And I'm just like, every time here's the same stuff. I want it to be sort of a, you can look at this this set of resources Determine where are you at in your language learning, and then it'll give you a good sort of rundown of what things you can use, some techniques, some pronunciation tips. I'm really hoping to go a little deeper on pronunciation since I'm really Mm -hmm. into the whole phonetics, and I think that that's an important thing to learn. But I want people of several different levels to be able to come to this and be like, this is where I'm at. Oh, I should use this thing which would be irrelevant to an advanced learner, but is really useful for a beginning learner. Yeah. Just a, it's more active. Like the blog post co- that I wrote a long time ago covers a lot of a lot of the thoughts, but not all of them. But it's not an action-oriented thing. You know, you read it, and then you choose what, you figure out what to do afterward. I'm hoping right. for something that takes away some question marks on what your next steps might be. Cool. Well, I will look forward to hearing more project updates about that. Are you thinking that this is something that will be launched by the time we record the next version or the next episode? I, that is a, is a big question. I do not know the answer <laughs> to. I'm hoping at least by the end of the year, okay. but you know, I've betrayed myself with deadlines before. So as have we all, you know, I was, I was like planning on having my notion course launched this month, which was just utterly too ambitious you can't move to a new house and continue to make videos and make course (laughs) yeah we got a lot of stuff going on you've got extra extra stuff going on Mm -hmm. it's a little difficult what are you gonna do though well i have some project updates i've been busy during the last two weeks um part of that has been preparing for the move uh but i am doing something that actually kind of fits into today's topic um, of being your own boss. And I I am hiring not only movers, but I'm hiring packers, like the Green Bay Packers to come and pack. I figured, you know, they would be the most qualified possible people to do it. Um, So they're going to come and pack the whole house up and just truck it on over there. So the only real physical work I'm going to have to do is unpacking once it's all moved. And I'm going to pay a lot extra for that, but it is allowing me to do this with you right now. In addition to more work, probably tomorrow, uh, where if I hadn't hired them, I would have had to probably spend like three full days packing. Yeah. So it's definitely something that you think about more clearly and more often when you do work for yourself, um, or when you have a job where 
maybe like salespeople feel this where, you know, like I can put in extra hours and I can make extra money. And the corollary to that is if I lose hours that I was intending to work, I literally lose money. So in this case, it is actually more economical for me to hire packers as long as I'm using that time productively. So that's going to happen. Uh, projecty things. First and foremost, I'm very excited because literally an hour before we recorded this, uh, do you know what Spotify Canvas is? Nope. You use Spotify though, right? I do. I've never heard of Spotify Canvas. So on your phone, it, it, when you bring up a song, usually it's just the album art, but sometimes it's like a oh. little video that covers the whole screen. I've seen those. I didn't know. Yeah. I finally got access to it. So I have uh, a little clip on my Icicle Swords song and I'm very happy about this little tiny thing. <laughs> nice. It's the little That's things cool. in life. Uh, and in other musical things, I am working on a new song. Um, I'm almost done with it actually. So there will be new study music up on the Thomas Frank music YouTube channel and on my various music profiles, Spotify, Apple music, whatever. Um, I am anticipating that I'll upload it tonight, but I'm waiting on some final feedback from a mixing engineer. So this one, I, I totally mixed it, mastered it, everything myself, which was a very educational process, but also a very, very, very tedious process. Um, but I'm pretty excited. It is a bit of a, a bit of a leap over my previous work in terms of complexity. So cool. Pretty excited to put that out. Uh, and then there is one new video over on Thomas Frank Explains because Notion has been doing some projects of their own and they released a brand new timeline view. So if you know what a Gantt chart is, um, that's yeah. essentially what they released for their databases. And I have implemented this new view into the Ultimate Tasks template. So anybody listening to this who uses Ultimate Tasks in Notion, uh, there is now a new timeline view. So you can either reduplicate re the template and port your tasks over, or in the little change log area for the template, I have written up and put up a little video tutorial on how you can upgrade your own version. Um, yeah, and it, it's like, it's kind of a compromise because they do have some pricing differences on how many timeline views you're allowed to have. And I'm kind of hoping that they will move away from that at some point. But for now, I just made a centralized area instead of having it be like an option in every project you create. So yeah, that's what I've been working on. Music and Notion and moving. Yeah, it's pretty cool. All I know kinds you've been trying to work on music for a long time. So it's mm -hmm. cool to see that you actually got to find some time for something. Yeah, it it happened just like every piece of music I've ever made happened where I'm like, you know what? I haven't put something up in a long time. I'm just going to I'm just going to improv some crap. I don't care what it sounds like. I just need to get something done. And once I have something recorded, then my brain goes, oh, well, now it now that it exists, you got to make this good. So <laughs> what was supposed to be something that I would put up, I think I recorded it like last Wednesday or something and I was going to put it up in a day, I've been now working on it for days. So what are you going to do? <laughs> uh, and I guess that uh, that's it. So let's segue on over to our main topic for this episode, which is the downsides of working for yourself, being your own boss. We actually got this question from someone on Twitter. Uh, they asked me along with several of my other creator friends, and I, I kind of just casually answered a few things, but then I thought that this would actually be a pretty good topic for a podcast, given that, you know, it's kind of what we do. 
Yeah. And a, and a lot of the same issues with working for yourself are also issues of simply needing to work autonomously, which I'm sure quite a few people this year have to deal with. So, you know, there are probably going to be some overlap and mm-hmm. more, more relatable problems in 2020. Yeah. Well, yeah, looking at my list here, I think there's going to be a, a little bit of crossover for anybody doing online school for anybody who is working at home. Um, you know, this is especially true for anybody who's, who's working for themselves, but you know, when you're working on your own, there are some downsides, uh, upsides as well. And, you know, I, I will say this as somebody who's been working for myself for 10 years, the upsides for me absolutely outweigh the downsides. Um, but not for everyone. I actually know people who have been full-time creators and YouTubers and they've decided to go get a job because the stress of it or, you know, other things involved are not worth it to them. So they would rather have it be a hobby, but, uh, we're going to go through it. So I've got three points. Do you have like your own points? I do. I do in fact have three. Cool. Uh, well I can see on my waves in the computer here that I've been talking for a while. So I'm going to let you start. All right. Uh, the very first one I've got is that I think when you're working for yourself or just autonomously, Parkinson's law comes into play a little more than usual. <laughs> the The idea that work will fill the time given to it. So if I have to do something in an hour, I'll probably finish it an hour frantically. But if I have a whole day, I'll probably put it off till near the end of the day. I'll take the whole day to do it. And the problem when you're working for yourself or even just at home is that often evenings and weekends now become potential time to allot your work too. If if I were in an office mm-hmm. at like my previous job, I would need to get that work done by like four or five or whenever I plan to go home. But now that's not a thing. I could feasibly do it anywhere at any time. And therefore tons of my weekends just kind of disappear because I'm just like, oh yeah, yeah, I'll do it. That's, that's, I got to do that by Monday. I'll do it on Sunday. And then I wake up and on Sunday, I think, oh, I got to do that today. I could do it this evening. It's mm-hmm. Sunday. Why? I, it's Sunday. I'm going to go enjoy my day. Well, I probably should have thought of that Friday. Yep. But the time allotted to my work becomes all time unless I've explicitly planned different things. Um, do you concoct elaborate reasons as to why working late in the evening would be really pleasant and nice? No, because I hate working in the evening and I, t- I just okay. say, yep, I'm going to hate it. I'm going to hate every bit mm-hmm. of this, but it's, you know, it's a Sunday. I think I gotta, I gotta relax or sometimes it just kind of happens. Only certain kinds of work do I like in the evening and do I think actually work well. And that's just programming. It's the mm. like only work thing that I can get focused into at basically any time of day, anything else I try to do in the evening or the weekends. I've really yeah. done myself a disservice. It, yeah, it would be nice if there was something more real that could limit my working hours because uh, as I'm getting into this whole process of building my own course and building it into my website, it tends to be after hours when I do it. And like, I will concoct these elaborate justifications for it. Like, oh, hey, I'm back inside project mode. I got to do my regular work during the day and then I just got to do this at night which is dumb. If I was efficient enough with my regular work, I could fit it in, you know, half the day. And then I could spend the other half of the working day doing this project that I actually want to do, but I don't. 
So old, I'm just, old habits from the college days. <laughs> yeah, I'm just Die inefficient hard. during the day. And then at night, I'm like, all right, it's time to kick ass and chew bubble gum. And I'm all out of gum. And I'm going to put this WordPress plug in. And I don't care that it's 9 p.m. So, yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah. And, if, and of course, you know that I fall into this Parkinson's law caseload as well with my sponsor deadlines. <laughs> yeah, it's very difficult. You can always rush it at the last second. But mm-hmm. it's hard to convince yourself to rush it at the first second. Mm-hmm. Now, what can you do to mitigate this somewhat? Give up. That's probably <laughs> not. That's probably Episode not the cut. answer. That's done. Well, that's so I find that um, the only time that I can help myself with this, I have specifically scheduled something like with friends or with Ashley, something that I need to do that somebody Mm -hmm. else is involved in usually because I'll put off my own solo stuff. But if it's somewhat social, I'll be like, no, I have to be done by six. We're playing Monster Hunter today. So Mm -hmm. therefore, the time allotted to my work has to end at six. I can no longer give myself the evening thinking, oh, I'll just, you know, I'll play Animal Crossing first and then then I could do the work afterward. That doesn't happen if I have a social thing I don't want to back out of. Yeah, I think that's the only thing you can do. Like, I would love to say that you can just use self-discipline if you build enough and Mm. and tell yourself, I'll just shut the computer off at 5 p.m. I got this. Zap Brennigan doesn't fall victim to Pareto principles. That's the wrong (laughs) Parkinson's law. (laughs) No, it just doesn't work. So yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Like sometimes I will, at the start of the day, talk to Anna and be like, hey, what do you want to do tonight? Do you want to you know, watch a movie or play a game. Uh, you know, in, in the olden days, we would sometimes plan to go out places that doesn't exist anymore, but someday it will. And we'll be able to use that again. I think that that's the other hard thing is there is really no place that we can go outside of the house, especially now that it's getting cold. Like ski season starting soon. So we'll be able to do that. But right now it's like, all right, well, you want to go out to eat? You can't. <laughs> uh, you want to go out to a bookstore? You can't. So it just ends up being like, do you want to play a board game and or a video game and or a movie? Uh, but that's yeah, better like, than nothing. We'll go for walks, but you really got to have a stomach for the cold at mm-hmm. this point to be willing to do it. Well, I like going I like going for a walk in the cold. But like that's the only activity because yeah, all the other yeah. all the other ones are shut down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I think you know at least making plans with friends, uh, and something that you've been doing quite well recently has been making plans with friends from afar to play Among Us or play Worms or Monster yeah, Hunter, it's, or whatever. It's it is. been super helpful having sort of rediscovered being social after about halfway through the year. Suddenly, like everyone discovered that they could still talk to each other in a way that mm-hmm. we hadn't bothered to before because it wasn't like the only way to communicate. And it's, it's also right. helpful that a lot of the people I'm talking to are one hour in the future. So I have to stop working. That's true. Like I get that extra hour where I have to be done first. So yeah, make friends with people who are an hour ahead of you. If you live yeah. in the East coast, you need to make friends in London. You, you better Spain get done working Portugal very early. And then yes, you're going to be done working about like three. Yeah. That maybe 2 PM. <laughs> Well, actually, I did a collab video with Ali Abdal, who lives in London, 
or nearby. And I think I did it. I was on at uh, 11 so he could do it in the early afternoon. Otherwise he's like, well, I guess I could do like 8 PM, you know, to work with your time zone. Oh yeah. I'm not just in the East coast. I'm annoyingly on mountain time. And I have heard uh, from podcasts from people who live in the UK that people, especially in Pacific time, but also mountain time are very annoying to work with remotely. That would, that would make sense. Yeah. If you live in London and you have to work with somebody who works in California, like, you know, your, your workday is almost ending as they're getting up and starting work. That's how it is with my so. Japanese teacher. She lives in, uh, Australia. Therefore. Oh, yep. We're definitely on the flip side of the day every time we do something. And there's only like a tiny portion of the day where it's really sensible. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, well, I'm going to jump in with my first downside, which is that it is incredibly difficult for me to turn my brain off and rest. Though I, I've given this one a lot of thought. Uh, I think this is worse when you do work for yourself because you are very aware of all the possible opportunities that you're giving up when you take a break. But uh, when I think back to when I had my internship, I remember that I didn't come home from work and just chill. I came home from work and then I worked on my side project. So it was kind of the same problem for me, no matter what uh, I would have the same. And you, you probably remember this. Even when we were in college, I had my classes, I had my part-time jobs on campus and more often than not, I was just working on college info geek during my yep. off time. Yep. Not doing a whole lot of rest and relaxation. Um, but I do think it is worse when you actually work for yourself and make a full-time income because like, for example, I know that if I make more videos, I can make more money. I know if I spend a bunch of time, you know, learning how to make really advanced uh, email marketing funnels or improving my website speed or learning how to do Instagram ads or whatever it is, like there's a zillion things I could possibly doing be doing at all times. And it is incredibly difficult for me to say, all right, I'm going to turn my brain off. I'm going to go play a video game or watch a movie. It's just, it's just very difficult, especially when I'm not burned out. Like it's, it's this weird catch from two. Mm. I'm either burned out and I find it easier to, uh, to rest or I'm like really, really passionate about something. And because of that, I can't turn my brain off. Yeah. And I don't know if there's a solution to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh i i think i think the only solution is your solution it's you have to i guess you have to get used to engaging in social hangout time yeah uh, that's that's and, the and, trick because i'll always put off my own stuff but it's only other people's expectations that i'll like cut myself off for and mm -hmm. i wish i wish there was an easy answer for like if you didn't feel like being social what am but I'll betray myself. I'll betray myself yeah. every day. I think if I was single, I would get up and I would work until I go to bed. And that would be my life. Especially now that, you know, we're living through a pandemic and there's, there's no like, Hey, you come out to this brewery with us or go to this movie with us. Like it, people really can only schedule digital hangouts and yeah. you know, you can do that. But like right now, making this, this song or building this course, I think like without, without Anna there, I would probably just do that. Well, and, and it's, would not be healthy. some of that obsession is, is like easy to justify to yourself. 
as good because a lot of the best ideas and progress do come from like a really obsessive like work block where you just mm-hmm. go for a straight day or two and then you do something incredible. Yeah. But the actual incredible things aren't every time, but it's easy to use the occasional incredible workload as like a justification to always be working for 24 hours, just in case everything you're doing is always amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I have a bit of a potential solution for this. Um, this isn't going to help with things that you already want to do, but I have found that it is sometimes healthy for me to be on a low information diet when it comes to information about running a business, being productive, that kind of stuff. So I do not listen to business podcasts because when I did, like I would listen to uh, my friend Pat Flynn's podcast and you know, his podcast is awesome. Anybody who's like wanting to build a business, it's a great resource, but I would get to the point where listening to his podcast and then like the side hustle podcast and then listen, money matters and all these different shows, they would just inundate me with ideas. Hey, you should do a content audit on your website. Hey, you should speed up your website. Hey, you should get into building email marketing funnels. You need to get into YouTube. You need to get into TikTok. Uh, when you're exposed to all of these ideas or maybe even exposed to the social profiles of people who are doing things and you have like all these different people in your network, that just throws more stuff on the fire or on the plate, whatever metaphor you want to use. Yeah. So it may be worth, you know, going on a low information diet for a while, working on the projects you have, but then not just consciously deciding not to let new ideas and shiny objects into your life. So that's that one. Okay. Uh, On to my second one which could also easily be an extra repercussion to that high information diet there is wearing too many hats. When you work for <laughs> yourself or, or autonomously in any way, often you need to pick up a little bit of like every skill yeah. and you you're in charge of so many weird, random little things, especially if you're, st- if you're doing a startup, if you're kind of something new, maybe you don't get to hire somebody to just handle the small things. You need to do all of them in addition to something else. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest thing that comes from this that seems problematic is it makes it hard to really focus on one thing at a time. Just that, that sort of, um, obsessive, I'm going to finish something big energy is hard to find when, because when it happens, it's easy to let something small through the cracks, something small that, you know, doesn't seem like a big deal today, but in the long term, if you keep letting it slip, it is a big deal. So mm-hmm. it's just this big game of balancing and needing to juggle a whole lot of skill sets and decide how exactly do you get the appropriate focus for each one? Do you do a little bit of each each day? Do you split up your week between them so that you can focus all in on one? What happens if an emergency happens in a different one? That's the wrong day and you got to do it now. What happens to today's work? It, it like gets really confusing to juggle because you don't have somebody just coming to your desk and saying, hey, do this today. You're good. Yeah. You did good work. Yeah. I I think that is really the problem is in addition to all of the worker hats, you are wearing the manager hat too. Yeah. You're deciding where to direct your resources, which is your time. And that is difficult. Well, and every, every minute you're doing the manager job, you're not doing one of the other jobs, which has more direct output. Mm -hmm. So you could spend all day trying to reschedule your day. 
And now your day is gone. So good work. A couple of things that help with that. Uh, Have a defined planning time. It could be the morning before you get your day started. It could be the end of the day when you're doing daily review and you plan your next day. Those can be helpful. And then something that I have had to learn continuously throughout the last decade is you don't always need to DIY everything. Uh, there's a term, it's called not invented here syndrome. And uh, this is usually, you know, leveled at companies who feel the need to build some sort of internal tool for everything. But the idea is like, oh, it wasn't invented here. We're not going to use it. We're not going to use WordPress. We're going to build our own custom CMS just because it wasn't, that wasn't invented here. We're going to do it. And if you fall victim to not invented here syndrome for too many things, then you end up wasting a lot of time. But there's also a balance to be struck because I think as an entrepreneur, it is very worth understanding each part of your business to some degree. Um, like I'm very glad that I took the time to learn how to code a little bit. I'm very glad that I you know, know how to edit my own videos. But I also, I get a lot of value from, or I guess I get a lot of like satisfaction from having technical knowledge. And I've tried not to overvalue that too much when I give generalized advice, because I do look at a lot of other entrepreneurs who never took the time to learn some of those technical skills I have, and they've been just fine. Like to give a specific example, when I was younger, and I think this was like, this was right when you had first started working with me to build the first responsive version of CIG. Uh, until that point I had done all the coding and I remember kind of scoffing when like Ramit Sethi came out with his very first version of his responsive website. Cause it had tons of bugs and like half the stuff wouldn't actually responsibly scale down. And I was like, ha ha ha. I know I hired Martin, but because I understand media queries and stuff, I can help him design it and it's perfect. And that is proof to why every founder should know how to code their own website. Well, you know, I think if we look at the uh, external scorecard elements in terms of business, like Ramit's kind of still done better than I have <laughs> over the years. So maybe he really didn't need to learn how to code his own website. Yeah, maybe his first responsive website was a little buggy and ours was better, but, uh, you know, over time he's fixed that. Um, so I guess the point here is as a business owner, you have to critically think about for yourself what should I outsource. And this doesn't necessarily just mean hiring people. It means what can I outsource to a tool? Uh, like my bookkeeping. I don't have my bookkeeping in Excel. I pay 30 bucks a month to a company called Xero, uh, X-E-R-O, and they have software that will automatically pull in my bank statements. And then they will, um, for like repeat transactions from the same vendor, it will remember what it is. So if I have like Amazon transactions, it'll actually, it'll have Amazon pre-filled in there and it'll have like office expenses pre-filled or for um, Skillshare, like when Skillshare pays me, that line item is already pre-filled with Skillshare, teacher earnings. All I got to do is hit, okay, that saves me a lot of time. And yep, I'm paying 30 bucks a month for it, but I think I would lose more potential value if I was like sitting in Excel trying to hand write out all these transactions and then reconcile them myself. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, you think about that. So my second one here is less 
applicable to me now because I'm sort of surrounded by people who either work with me like you and Tony um, or the people that I'm with now in terms of friends, I guess they just kind of have a better understanding of what I do. But in the beginning, I felt quite lonely uh, in that nobody around me in my personal life really understood what I was doing. Like, I started College of Geek as a sophomore in college and none of my friends understood what I was doing. They're like, why are you, why are you blogging? The new Call of Duty game is out. You could be playing this game right now. Why, what are you doing? I don't get it. And I'd be excited about, oh, hey guys, I just started an email list today. I haven't been doing that for like two years. And I'm, I'm really excited that I got the forms coded on my website. Like nobody got it. They were like, mm. I'm just going to play video games. I got my classes. I'm going to go get a job, whatever. It felt very lonely. And I have this specific memory. Uh, there was a blog that I was reading. It was like a how to blog kind of blog, kind of like Smart Passive Income. It was called Blogushin. And it was kind of cool because the founder at the time was 16 years old, but his content was great and the design was great. So it was, it was kind of cool seeing like a 16 year old kid be that prolific and talented. And at one point I saw that he had added a writer to his site, a guy named Derek. And I clicked on Derek's profile out of curiosity and it said, Iowa State University student. And I'm like, what? So I, I messaged him on Facebook and I'm like, dude, you're a blogger too? Like we both go to the same school and we started talking, became friends. And that was sort of like the first moment that I met somebody within my geographical area who understood what I was doing and had some of the same interests. Before that, I felt quite isolated. And I think that's something that people who work for themselves, especially when they're getting started and there's not yet like the proof that will show, especially like families sometimes that it's going to work, it can feel very isolating. Yeah. And you might not even want to reach out to a lot of people doing that same stuff until you've hit a certain point. Mm -hmm. So even if you knew how to get out of isolation, you might keep yourself there anyway, just a little longer until yeah. I've hit this number and look cool. Yeah. And I have learned that that is such a limiting belief because if you, if you give into that belief, a lot of times there's no point at which you think you're ready. I remember like I had that belief. Oh, you know, I shouldn't reach out to Steve cam until I have like a thousand RSS subscribers. So I look like a legit blogger too. And then I hit a thousand. I'm like, well, I should probably have like 2000, like a thousand still pretty tiny. You know, you'll constantly just, I got to get to the next level and you get to the next level and you're like, well, that's not actually that cool. And most people are not going to look at your Twitter following and be like, all right, you have a high enough score for me to talk to you. That's just yeah. not, that's not how it works. You know, people, they're going to look at other factors. Are we interested in the same things? You know, do you have something interesting to say? Uh, so I don't know, just, just reach out. Um, something that helped me a lot was joining communities of like-minded people. Even when I was just getting it off the ground, when I wasn't making much money, like the, uh, the fizzle forums were very, very useful for me. In fact, I joined fizzle. Um, I didn't take a single course. I only joined it because I wanted access to those forums thinking people are paying for access to this thing, which means they're going to be serious. And that forum is going to be just a really high quality group of people. And, uh, I think that was true. So not to say you have to seek out paid communities, but, you know, at least try to find places where you're going to be surrounded by other people who get what you're doing and who would be good connections. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. Mambo number five, right? 
something like that if five was instead three well and instead of a mambo it's your I'm third go one waltz. it's your third one but it's the fifth one in general whoa okay you're right it can simul three equals five yeah that's math that that's quick maths <laughs> all right my third slash the fifth one is it's easy to doubt yourself I think I think imposter syndrome in particular mm. is very easy to acquire in this situation. There isn't generally a power structure telling you that what you're doing is good or good enough. And there are plenty of examples of people doing cool things to compare yourself to. They, I mean, the only thing that there might be a power structure telling you you're good for is the stuff that directly makes money. But the problem, and this is one that I had in my previous job as well, is that some tasks, while incredibly important, don't make money directly. So if you spend a lot mm -hmm. of time doing that, like if I spend a lot of time doing some server stuff, yeah, it could be easy to convince myself that that wasn't really like that's not valuable because that protects money. It ensures money. It doesn't directly mm -hmm. make it. Nobody like pays us to have a fancy server. You know, it's it's and that's sort should. of a long term thing. Maybe they should, but it, it makes listener. it so that like. I can spend a whole day and say, wow, nothing I did today was worth doing. Isn't that like the, the ultimate like downside of working in it? Yeah. Your job like is to never... largely protect things, not to generate income. Yeah. you like, managers like, Oh, you're not a revenue positive department. And for that reason, you never get funding. It's like, yeah, but I'm the reason you didn't get hacked and have all your money stolen. Or in your case, like I, I, the reason that you're compliant for GDPR stuff or, that your website is secure, like all these very, very important things. So yeah, that's, that's a tough one. Uh, what do you do to deal with these imposter feelings? Well, that, I don't know. I'm not very good at dealing with the imposter feelings. I'm going to be <laughs> honest. I'm pretty bad at that, especially because I like to do so many different things and therefore I get to feel like an imposter in all of them. Mm hmm. I would say that the only thing that really helps is being more actively social. The The worse I'm being to myself in my head, the worse it is for me to be alone, essentially. Only talking to other people can get me out of that feedback loop within my own thoughts. Hmm. And kind of even if it just distracts me for a little bit, because one of the feeling bad, and this applies to like every kind of feeling bad in my experience, is the feeling does go away eventually even if it's terrible and even if it takes years eventually yeah. a bad feeling will go away just because it's not novel anymore and being distracted is a perfectly valid way to get out of that kind of a thought and then maybe i'll come back and i'll be excited about my work again or being social so that i can build up other confidence outside of my work but that still overall makes it feel like, oh, well, I, I can't be an imposter. I feel confident for other reasons. So now I feel confident in this situation. Yeah. Just doing the work, if I'm in an imposter syndrome moment, isn't really going to get me out of that thought. Hmm. Yeah, so I guess, you know, going out and having social interactions can be very helpful. Something that I do, I find that my feelings of imposter syndrome are almost exclusively generated by comparisons to other people's work that is better than mine. So I use the reverse strategy uh, where I'll go back and look at my previous work and just sort of remind myself like, this is how far you've come. 
that's what you did a couple of years ago and now you're doing this. So it's the same kind of comparison, except for I don't have to go seek out like someone else's work and be like, ha ha, I'm better than them. You know, that's almost never productive. Yeah, that, that would be an unhealthy way to do that. <laughs> but by looking at my past work and I go, okay, well, that's what two years ago I did. And now I'm doing this, which is clearly so much better. So like I am, I am progressing, you know, and that comparison is, is roughly equivalent to the comparison I'm making to this other person unhealthily. Yeah. Although I kind of like mm-hmm. the idea that to, to not be the imposter, you have to just find somebody else and say, you're the imposter, actually. <laughs> that is the correct way to play I'm Among Us. I'm the real one. So I don't know. You know, maybe Among Us strategies also work in real life. Maybe they to do. To deal with your own feelings of inadequacy. We were all the imposter all along. But wow. we can work. <laughs> we can work to overcome there's a, it. There's a movie the in this. Skin. A really terrible movie, <laughs> but there's a movie. It's like on Lifetime. Uh, okay. Uh, and then I, we'll, we'll go to my last list item here, which is that everything, when you work for yourself, everything relies on your own self-discipline. Uh, this, is, this is tough because, you know, when you have a job, you know that someone else has told you to be at that job at a certain time. And they're going to give you a certain task load. You got to get that done. You have requirements. You have external controls on that. And that leaves willpower for eating well, for making sure you get to the gym on time, for going to bed on time. Doesn't mean you're always going to be perfect with those things. But when you work for yourself, you have to manage all of those in addition to literally all of your work. The buck stops with you. And, and, you know, maybe you will have some external controls. Like if you are working for clients, maybe they have deadlines for you, but you don't have the same amount of external imposition that you do when you're in school or when you have a regular full-time job. So what I have learned is there are things I can do to augment my self-discipline, but that's not always enough. So I've almost flipped the script where I'm my own boss in my work but I'm trying to stop being my own boss in certain areas of my personal life. Like uh, I have a lifting coach. So instead of telling myself, all right, Tom, yeah, let's just get to the gym. I should probably go work out. I got to, or, or writing a schedule for myself and being like, all right, stick to the schedule. Cause you made it. Uh, Matt sets the schedule. Matt tells me what to do. I go to the gym. I open the app. It's like, cool squats, deadlifts and chin-ups today. All right. I know exactly how much weight I got to put on the bar. I got to film the sets and prove that I did it. That's done. So that doesn't rely on my willpower because there's somebody else telling me to do it. Now that that's like paid coaching. And I know a lot of other entrepreneurs who do that for many of the things. I know people who have business coaches who will essentially like function like a boss of sorts, um, taking the person's goals and sort of like creating a schedule and some accountability structures. Uh, I know people who have nutrition coaches, all kinds of stuff like that. Um, You can also get into communities. Like I know uh, Habitica has guilds that will often do challenges, which I used to do all the time. It's like, hey, we're going to get into this challenge. So maybe set a workout habit for yourself. Or if you're trying to write a book or something, set a writing goal for yourself. And we're all going to party up and do a challenge. So you have to get your writing done. Otherwise, we're all going to get damaged. And that creates a little bit of social pressure and accountability there. Uh, But yeah, the big thing for me is I have to find ways to make sure that not everything is reliant on my own self-discipline. Yeah, that's a good idea to try to take the self-discipline out of other things. 
Mm-hmm. Like, is there any area where you've kind of like given up the control for that reason? I've given up control of everything, Tom. Life just, <laughs> it passes me like a raging river. Now, I don't I think mean, I have any actual examples of that necessarily other than, um, I mean, I guess my Japanese tutor is very, it's a very structured yeah. thing. So I just do the homework, do study the correct things. And then, uh, you know, cause I guess I could be trying to go a little more hardcore in that area and forcing myself to be very quickly amazing at Japanese, but I've just sort of decided I'll go at whatever speed she tells me to, because mm-hmm. I don't want to think that hard about it. So that's, that's probably the best example, actually. Yeah. Maybe the only one. And I mean, it, it's a little different for you because like we work together, but it's still like, yeah, more or less me saying like, we need to get these things done. Yeah. Like it's, so, it's more that I have the autonomous issues Yeah, rather than the, the management of what the business should do isn't the same, but the management of how I manage my own distribution of those things is the, mm-hmm. the difficult part. And I think I would say if, if working for yourself and working for someone else is like a spectrum, you're still closer to the working for yourself area of it because I am not really a manager. Oh, well, no, I hardly think I'm you even know what manager. I do on any given day. I just kind of, things kind no of clue. happen. I don't even tell you about most of them because I figure it's a waste of your time to be updated on everything. So yeah, I it's, mean, it's more or less that I'm working for myself. Just I have the same ultimate goals yeah. as you. So they funnel together. You mean I have you have no idea how much I appreciate that you can do that and that Ransom can do that for the yeah. CIG blog because I I am not a manager. I think we maybe had discussed this. Um or no, we didn't discuss this. I was talking with my friend Ali about this. When you do work for yourself, as your business grows, you are eventually going to come to a crossroads where you may have to either take on some managerial responsibilities to allow things to continue growing because you're going to have to hire help or you have to give up that control and you have to bring someone else in to handle it for you if you want to continue to be the maker. And I want to continue to be the maker. Like day to day, I want to see the business grow, but I want to be making videos. I want to be writing. I want to be building things. I don't want to be checking in with team members on what they're doing. I want them to be able to do what they need to do. And I would rather have somebody else be the manager. So uh, I guess that's like an extra, you know, downside is eventually you're going to hit that crossroads and you'll have to make that difficult decision and take it from me. It is very difficult, at least for me. I mean, you, Anna, other people had to harp on me for years to give up control of certain things. And I feel like you still do in certain instances. Yeah. And with each one, it's like pulling teeth because I don't want to give it up until I eventually do. And then I realize, oh, I should have done that a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to it's hard to give up, weirdly enough, ex- like responsibility. It feels like I have to be, I have to make sure this is done. And if somebody else does it and it wasn't done the way I wanted, that's my fault because I didn't do it personally. And therefore I should take it all on myself. And it's, yeah, it's, it's such an attachment to arbitrary things. that's mm-hmm. hard to let go of, especially when it's your creation. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, but I, I've learned that, you know, you get to a point where 
you have to let part of your baby go. You have to let part of your creation go if you're going to be able to have the bandwidth to make new things. Yeah. If if I was still trying to write every article on College of Geek and do all the maintenance, like there is no way I would even have my YouTube channel, let alone the no. second channel with the Notion stuff or ever make music or ever make a course. It, it just wouldn't happen. Yeah, and how would you move? How would how would you live? How would you eat? <laughs> it's just too much stuff. You know? Yeah. Or I would be stuck at the same level I was at years ago. You know, and for some people, maybe that's what you want. But if you want to keep growing, if you want, and the big thing, this is the thing that I want. I want to be able to build systems that continue to generate value for people long after I have left the day-to-day management of them. Only way to do that while retaining my freedom to be a creator is to hand off control to people I trust. So, which that's what I've done. I trust you, I trust Ransom, I trust Tony to edit the videos, I trust Anna to edit the podcast, giving it away. And you know, sometimes you gotta go and check on the work and make sure that it's done well and give feedback and have these kind of feedback loops built in. But uh, at the end of the day, you're still giving up control and putting your trust in other people. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I think that's that's the main part. So why don't we move on to cult member questions? We do have get a those done. Those. And then I'll work on, uh, I don't know, I guess move into a house that I own, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so first one, this is actually kind of a fun question. Uh, what's your favorite animated television series? Do you want to do a three, two, one on it? Uh, like, oh no, oh no. Actually, I think it's going to be, out. it's going to be a cacophony if we do a three, two, one on a podcast. Uh, uh, I, I've got, you know what? I didn't pick my first between my top two, so I'm going to have to go, I'm going to have to figure it out real fast. You know the funny thing? I'm also caught between two. Oh no. <laughs> uh okay, I'll I'll go first if you're caught. Uh and I gotta put a stake in the mud here. I used to say it differently, but I gotta put a stake in the mud. It's Gravity Falls. That's a good choice. I used to say Avatar Last Airbender was my first, then Gravity Falls. But you know what? When I think about like which of the two well, I always want to sit down and watch. Always, always, always. It's Gravity Falls. Just is. That's fair. Um, well, by that crucially, logic, it also has like a really great story that's told. Well, and the, along the way. and the location and the design and everything, everything mm-hmm. about it is beautiful. But um, by that logic, if it's which one am I always in the mood for? It's Over the Garden Wall. Avatar is my yep. second in that in that sort okay. of a ranking, and and I love them both so much. It's just One's a stroll, a pleasant stroll that I could always be in the mood for. And one is a journey that means more to me emotionally, but that I'm not always ready to take. But yeah. they're they're my favorites. Over the Garden Wall is literally like a poem in video form. It's every moment of it is perfect mm-hmm. to me. And after seeing it, like it's got to be 30 or 40 plus times. I still, on one of the recent watch throughs in October, found something new that I hadn't noticed before. And that's... A level yep. of depth that, that I don't reach in many pieces of media. That is, yeah, that's that's a mark of of something being really good and really well thought out. I actually noticed this. Um, you've seen Guardians of the Galaxy 2, right? Yeah. So uh, if anyone hasn't seen this, what I'm about to say is a very, very, very minor spoiler. But I thought it was kind of like a rewarding to notice it. And I don't even know if it was planned. It might've been improvised, 
but there's a scene earlier in the movie where Drax is talking to uh, Quill about his wife and he's like, the, the most melodic song could be playing. She wouldn't even move a muscle, wouldn't even tap her foot. <laughs> it's just like, I never dance. Well, at the end of the movie, there's a song playing and there's a shot. I think it's of Rocket, but Drax's foot is in the corner, blurred out. Like you almost could miss it. He taps his foot once <laughs> to the beat. Huh. And I'm like, I don't know if he improvised that. Like maybe Dave Bautista improvised that or maybe it was planned, but I really appreciate that that little thing was there because I've seen the movie three times and I had never noticed it before. Yeah, it's that it's that little it. stuff that makes it fun to come back. Mm-hmm. And Gravity Falls is just chock full of it. I mean, you could spend like a year learning cryptography so you could decode all the weird coded stuff in there. And then uh, in the second season to to do the ciphers, it's even harder because there's like in every episode, there's something super well hidden that is the key to a specific cipher. That's really cool. And it's always like it's some of them are incredibly hard to find. You, you would never find them. <laughs> um, yeah, and I have the same kind of dichotomy with anime. Because my, my, I guess my favorite anime is Serial Experiments Lane, but uh, it is so emotionally draining that I've only watched it once. I've Whereas, been recommended that one a lot. I still haven't seen it. it. I mean, it's fantastic, but it is. Like, when do I don't want to say sad? it is. It's not like overtly depressing, but it's it left me in like a weird existential funk. Yeah, I'm I'm not usually maybe not, voluntarily getting into those. Yeah, maybe not the the greatest idea for you. Uh, whereas. Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, I could watch that again and again and again, you know. And I, I think there's something about there's something about shows like Over the Garden Wall, FMA Brotherhood, Gravity Falls, where they have a lot of heart. They all have a really good story they tell, but then like you could sit down and just pick any episode, and it's just going to be like a very interesting and worthwhile contained episode. And I, you know, I would say Avatar actually also fits that mold. Whereas like something like Lane, you don't just pick a random episode and watch an episode of Lane. You watch the whole thing. It is an mm. anime, but you bet you might as well treat it as a movie. You know? And there, there's merit to art like that. Just different kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Second question. How do you organize and store your physical books? Um, I'm trying. How do I give a more interesting answer than I put them on a bookshelf? Well, I'm, I was thinking about this and I'm thinking that if somebody's asking this and the answer isn't necessarily a bookshelf, there might be some concern for not wanting to have a lot of extra furniture, not wanting to mm. take up a bunch of space or something. Mm-hmm. And this is an idea that I, I came up with that I haven't enacted yet because I've been so slow to read books this year. But I was thinking that in order to maintain my minimalist desires and not have huge bookshelves filled with things I read once, I could get a physical book, read it, and then unless it's one of my very top favorites that I know I'm going to come back to, just go bring it to one of them little free libraries, which I'd love. Oh, yeah. And then it would be like a, it would be kind of like I'm simultaneously helping authors in local bookstores and also donating cool books to people and also not having to be a minimalist or not having to put too much stuff to where I can't be properly minimalist. Cause I don't, I don't want to have a huge bookshelf with yeah. a fancy color based or alphabetical organization. It's like too much. Cause it just becomes decorations mm-hmm. and I don't do a lot of decorating, but 
books are a decoration that I feel more like, I don't know. I would rather just put up something like a cool piece of art or some plants than, um, than a ton of books. I want my favorite books on a small shelf and the rest, I kind of want to just cycle out of my life and give them away Mm -hmm. as I think they're cool. Also, I love the little free libraries. So really any excuse to put something in there is those are great. Um, so the house that I bought came with an office that has an entire wall of built-in bookshelves. So I have, I have just come into, uh, probably about three times the book storage that I currently have, which fill it. What I'll probably do is space my books out on it with enough gaps that I can put like interesting props or meaningful things. And it may, it, it may end up being like a secondary set that I can use. Um, I, I may even use it as like a set for Thomas Frank Explains because I have found that I, I prefer to use this big desktop PC to record my tutorials rather than setting up the laptop with all like the fancy lights and everything. Um, I think the main reason is because when I set up the big fancy camera and I make it a whole production, I get nervous and I don't speak as fluently. Whereas if it's just like, all right, turn on the lights on my desk and just let's let's just get into this tutorial here. It's so much easier for me to do it. So it might be cool to have like a bunch of cool books and stuff behind me. Um, but I do love those little libraries. And in fact, I got to a point where my bookshelf was full earlier. I think it was, I don't know, maybe it was late last year. So I identified about 10 books I wanted to give away. And then every day, Anna and I would take a walk to as many different little libraries as I could find. And I would put one book in there and it was kind of like a little mission we went on every day. Yeah. I've, I've felt like when I walk past one where I put a book in there that was like a kid's book and I was like, I hope somebody likes it and it's gone the next day. Mm -hmm. I I feel, I feel good inside. Yeah. Somebody was excited and grabbed it or they threw it in a, in a pit and burned it. But like, I don't know that. So I'll assume that somebody was excited and grabbed it to read it. I'll assume they burned it in the pit. That's fair. I'll make dark assumptions. And then donating kindling is, is still donating. <laughs> I guess that's true. Hey, I didn't know what they were going to do with it, but I did donate. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I think that takes care of cult member questions. So if you are a member of the cult and you've gone through your hooded robe initiation, you know who you are. Leave your questions in the YouTube comments for the Inforium episode of your choosing or tweet us, uh, Tom Frankly or Yo Martholomew. And we will get your questions answered on the show if they're interesting questions. If it's like, hey, what's your favorite color? Eh, we might not include that. that my favorite color is a mystery. Frequently. You'll never know what my favorite color is. Look inside a kaleidoscope, invert that, but only do it on drugs. That's my favorite color. <laughs> uh, if you enjoyed the show, then number one, Get subscribed if you haven't done so already. You can go over to theinforium.com and uh, there you will find links to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. There is also a new, uh, there's a new podcast player that I became aware of called Air. It's A-I-R-R. And the interesting thing about Air, uh, my friend Ali Abdal introduced me to it. You can hit a button while you're listening to record the last 30 seconds you heard as like a snippet. And then you can have it sent to like your Readwise account or maybe even your pocket account, which is pretty cool. And it transcribes it. 
So you're basically like, it's like Kindle highlights. Yes. So it was really cool cool. the way Ali had it set up. Um, He has his Readwise syncing to Notion. So he has like a whole database full of little snippets from Kindle highlights. And then from Air, he has podcast snippets. And if I were in a point in my life where I listened to a lot of podcasts or read books on Kindle, I would be using Readwise for sure because it was a really cool system. I gave it some thought because I was really interested in it. And um, I would probably start using Air, but I, at first I was like, oh, I should start using Kindle again because then I can do the Kindle highlights. But I know my own mind, when I'm doing Kindle highlights, I often read to look for highlights, which I think actually hurts my comprehension while I'm reading. Or oh, at yeah. least, at the very least, hurts my immersion. So I think it's better for me to read and then go back and take notes how I've been doing. Uh, but like you, I've been pretty slow with reading this year. I think I've read like three books this year. <laughs> they are good books though. Uh, finally read a random walk down wall street. I'm almost done with it. Uh, good book, maybe a little bit too advanced for most people who don't want to get like super into investing, but I will at least have some research from it in my investing video whenever I get that done. Uh, anyway, what was it? What was I doing? Calls to action. Oh yeah. Guess what? The, uh, the Inforium is on Nebula, and I don't advertise that enough. But speaking oh, yeah. of advertising, this feed that you're listening to, well, you know what? I shouldn't say this feed you're listening to because this is going to be in the Nebula version. But the, the public feed is ad-supported, as you probably know. Uh, but the Nebula feed is actually ad-free. So if you would like to listen to the Inforium with zero ads, um, and, you know, maybe... I can't confirm or deny this, but maybe be given superpowers from the Nebula app. Then you can go over to watchnebula.com and we are on there along with several other great podcasts and lots of other great YouTube creators. All of my YouTube stuff is on there ad free as well. So check that out. Uh, if you want to, you can also give us a rating and review on Apple podcasts. I believe that's the only place that does ratings and reviews. And if you listen to us on Spotify, then one thing you may want to do is go over to my Thomas Frank artist profile because I will, I cannot guarantee that I'll have my new song up by the time this goes out, but I'm hoping that it will be out by the time this goes live. And if not, it will be very shortly after that. It is like nearly done. I'm just having, um, I'm having a mixing engineer take a listen to it just to see if there's any last minute tweaks and then I'll be uploading it. So that is going to do it for this episode. Thanks as always. For hanging out with us. I'm always like looking here when I'm addressing the camera and I need to stop doing that. <laughs> Thanks as always for hanging out with us and we will see you in the next episode. Stay cute.